Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. Good afternoon once again. Thanks for joining us. My name is Darshan Mutley, standing in for Bongi Iguala today. So stay tuned. We've got an action-packed show for you, busy hour. So, uh, of course, some of the top stories coming up. We do look at the story. Girls as young as 13 being lured away from school to become prostitutes. Religious leaders in the Northern Cape raising concern over their increasing risk of contracting HIV-AIDS. They've called on police, NGOs, and government to intervene. So it is a story we tackled today. And uh, if you'd like to, share your thoughts with us on any of the stories that we're bringing you today. You can do that by sending us an SMS to this number, 34701. That number again, 34701. I'll be reading out your SMSs. You can also tweet us at this handle, SAFM Midday Live, or send us an email at middaylive at sabc.co.za. Remember, if you choose to SMS us 34701. It costs you two rand to do so. Now, let's go to this top story. It's one that we've been reporting on for quite some time now. Ousted ANC Mayor Mapetla Mapetla was ordered to uh, by the North Gauteng High Court to vacate the Tlokwe Municipal Offices by 10 a.m. today. That's after the High Court dismissed an application by the ANC to have the election of Annette Combrink as Mayor of Tlokwe declared invalid. The court found that the meeting where the previous mayor, Mopetla Mopetla, was unseated amid allegations of corruption and maladministration in a motion of no confidence by the DA was in fact lawful. Now, for more on this, we are joined on the line by our reporter, Itumileng Hajane. A very good afternoon to you, Itumileng. Thanks for joining us. Has uh, the, the former mayor vacated the office? Hi, Itumileng. Since we're having a little bit of trouble getting uh, Etumelen Khajane on the line, our reporter, to tell us a little bit more about the story. But as we say, it is one of our top ones. Uh, the ANC this morning, uh, rather last night, saying that they respect the decision of the High Court in Pretoria on Monday to dismiss this application, to nullify the council meeting at which the Tlokwe Mayor Mopetla Mopetla was unseated. But of course, they have told us they plan to appeal the decision. We've got Etumelen Khajane, our reporter, on the line to give us more in- information on this. Etumelen, I believe you're there now. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Desha. Now, has the uh, Mayor Mapetla Mapetla vacated the office? No, as we speak, uh, Mapetla Mapetla has not yet vacated the office, even though he's not at the council as we speak, because we do understand that he is attending to other council matters, but he's still wearing that Naya uh, sheet cap, as we, we, we've been told by the ANC here in Tropwe. And neither has a uh, Annette Combrink, the DA, uh, uh, occupied that office because uh, the ANC says it has applied for leave to appeal uh, yesterday's uh, judgment. Uh, has uh, the ANC Mayor Mapetla Mapetla given reasons for, for the council matters that he's attending to? No, we, we, we do not understand what uh, exactly he is attending to, but we, we only... We have only been told by the ANC chief whip here in the Dogwe City Council that Mapeta Mapeta is attending to other council matters, but uh, he, Lekwete, uh, uh, is standing in for, or rather representing the ANC, and he is the one dealing with uh, media-related uh, issues. So basically uh, what they, they are saying now is that the ANC is still... Uh, you know, Mapeta Mapeta is still the mayor, even though the DA uh, is accusing them of, you know, uh, 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 trying to delay uh, things here so that uh, they, uh, their mayor, Mapeta Mapeta, could still continue uh, occupying the office, whereas the court has just, uh, or, or rather passed a ruling that uh, he must vacate the office. With this dispute over whose office it is, who's running the office right now? Yes, as we understand, Mapeta Mapeta is still running the office. Uh, his uh, belongings are still in the office. The ANC believes that Mapeta is still the mayor here, and they are in government. That's how they put it. They are saying that the DA is, is trying to, 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 to replace the ANC, even though they know that uh, the, the manner in which they tried to occupy these offices was illegal, uh, proper procedures were not followed, which is one of the grounds that they are appealing, because they are saying that the court erred on the law by saying the, the council speaker, Barim Musia Nesekoso, who did not have, did not have power, rather, to postpone the meeting which unseated Mapete on the 2nd of July. Has the ANC filed papers to appeal this decision, or is it still expected that they will? 
we've been told that uh, the ANC has um, has already uh, filed the papers. They are saying to us that they have already filed the papers. They are only waiting for the court to either grant or, you know, or rather to come up with a decision as to whether they will uh, grant them that leave to appeal yesterday's decision. So for now, they, 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 that's what they are telling us. And the DA, like, uh, in, in the early hours of this morning, they, they were telling us that uh, the sheriff of the court will be called to come this side and enforce last yesterday's uh, judgment. But uh, the sheriff could not confirm whether they would they will be coming here saying that they have uh, they also have that uh, um, uh, papers those papers by the ANC for application uh, to for, for, for application for leave to appeal. before we let you go, how is all of this affecting the running of the municipality and, and the residents of Clockway? How do they feel about this? The way I understand it, uh, this is not affecting the running of the council. As, as, as one would have expected that the, the, the running of the council would have been affected because as soon as, as, as you get into the, the, the municipality, it's business as usual. People are occupying their offices. The only office that is not being occupied or rather the office that is being highly disputed is that of uh, the mayor. Perhaps that the, 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 the part that could be, you know, seriously affected would be the decisions or rather the political decisions that would need media to sign, you know, on uh, or rather to approve those decisions. So in terms of other uh, businesses of the council, I think for now everything is normal, everything is continuing as, ex- as expected. Our reporter there, Tumalang Khajane, thanks for joining us. He's at the Tlokwe Municipal Offices today where the ousted ANC Mayor Mopetla Mopetla has uh, not arrived, attending to council matters today as the DA tries to wrest control of that office. Uh, Mopetla Mopetla's belongings still in that office as uh, the Sheriff of the Court is expected today. Well, let's go to Zimbabwe now. As Zimbabweans go to the polls uh, tomorrow for victims of the violence during the 2008 elections, it's a bittersweet feeling. A civil society group, Counseling Services Unit, says the majority of them are yet to be completely healed from the trauma they suffered. Although the same level of violence has been absent from this year's election campaign, some of the victims are still worried that violence can break out after the votes have been cast and results released. Our reporter Zanele Butelezi compiling this report from Harare. The people who are surrounding us started shouting that that's him, that's him. Take grab of him, that's the dog, that's the man who has won the, the, as a councillor in this area. So... The remnants of the 20th June 2008 attack are still clear when one arrives at the Chironga family home in Musiwa village in Howard, about 50 kilometers from Harare. One of the huts stands without a roof, windows and doors. It was torched during the attack. Hilton Chironga, his 78-year-old mother, Nelia, and two sisters are lucky to be alive after being attacked. He was assaulted, shot in the right arm and left leg, but he survived. However, the same cannot be said for his brother, Tayengwa Gibbs Chironga. The family was attacked in broad daylight by a group of armed people after Tayengwa had won the ward in the local elections. The whole family is overcome by emotions as he recalls his brother's painful murder. But uh, you were so courageous, he actually told them that, never mind, even if you kill me, change will, will come one day. Definitely... <coughs> And at that moment, <clears throat> that's the time when they shot him uh, right here on the pelvis. And <clears throat> they cut open his tummy. <clears throat> then they, they took off his uh, private parts and uh, blood was just flowing all over. And through the elections on Wednesday, they are still pursuing that change. The Chironga family will cast their ballots along with millions of other Zimbabweans. Hilton, like his late brother, is vying for a councillor's position in his ward. But the fear of what happened in 2008 still looms large. Hilton Chironga says he has removed some of his family's possessions and on Wednesday, the day of the election, 
he will evacuate his mother and his two sisters after casting their ballot. We've got no chicken, no fowl at this place. We've actually started evacuating some of the things from this place. We know we are heading for such kind of a thing again. They even uh, gave such promises that they are going to do worse than what they did in 2008. On the 15th of July this month, they 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 uh, toy toyed around this place and we have actually given that report to the police. The counseling services unit is counseling victims of violence. They say there are many people who are in the same position like the Chirongas. Fidelis Mutimu is the national programs director and says there are many people who are still unaccounted for. Communities in general have suffered trauma. They haven't healed at all and from the time we started speculating on the election date or that there was an election this year. We already began to see reports of fear and even intimidation in the communities. And um, um, some of the tests that we do for victims that came on actually showed that there was a psychological relapse because of, of just the, the presence of the imminence of the elections. So communities are not yet ready because after 2008 nothing was ever really done. Mitumus is making sure that the perpetrators of violence face justice is one way of trying to address the wounds. Meanwhile, the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission says it has not received reports of violence or intimidation in the run-up to the election so far. Zanele Butelezi, SABC News, Musiwa in Howard, Zimbabwe. Approaching 18 minutes after 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, the number of illegal miners who have been killed at the Krukflay mine near Brakpan on the Gauteng's East Rand has risen to seven. And we'll also be looking at the markets. Gold trading at $1,322.72 an ounce. Platinum, $1,434.35 an ounce. The Rand trading at 9 Rand 83 cents against the US dollar at 15 Rand 5 cents to the pound and at 13 Rand 6 cents to the euro. We'll be speaking to Mpo More shortly to get more on the JSE. On the 2nd of August, wear your slippers and be a hero. Okay, stop. Please read it again, but this time wear the slippers. Yeah, the slippers. Okay. Slippers. On the 2nd of August, wear your slippers and be a hero. Make sure you buy your 10 Rand, reach for a dream sticker, and help the dreams of a child come true. How was that? Perfect. We're done. What? No, wait, wait. Where can I get myself a slipper sticker? You can find out on reachforadream.org.za, but... Here in Johannesburg, motorists queue to fill up Petrol their tanks. Petrol price is set to increase by State says fuel price increase out of dollar exchange rate source to... Rwanda agrees to build two oil pipelines for East Africa. biggest source of crude oil. The UAE claims oil prices are fair. In Britain, petrol price hikes pushed inflation. The price of oil rose Tuesday as the market awaited more oil prices bounced back close to a three-month high. As global economic recovery begins. SABC News, coming soon to Channel 404 on DSTV. All local, all global, all the time. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 20 past 12. Let's return to Zimbabwe now, where our senior political reporter, Mitlatse Gallens, is deployed. Mitlatse, very good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, elections tomorrow, perhaps a horrific reminder of election violence back in 2008. Uh, what's the feeling on the ground for Zimbabweans today? Good afternoon, Darshan. Of course, uh, today a bit more quiet in terms of all of the rallies, uh, the campaign rallies came to an end yesterday. In Harare, the CBD business continues as usual, but uh, in the outskirts, a bit of apprehension too tomorrow because of uh, that uh, remind or uh, vivid memory of what happened in the 2008 elections. But many people here are hopeful that the election will go on peacefully. The problem or the apprehension comes in when the voting of those ballots uh, starts and results start coming out. And that is where people are very nervous in terms of what will happen uh, next. Uh, the Zimbabwean Electoral Commission insisting that they haven't received any reports of intimidation, though you know various rights groups in the lead-up to have spoken about um, the fact that there has been a clampdown on civil society, but not as intense as we saw in the 2008 uh, run-up to that election. So the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission saying they haven't noted any violence, but then you've got the leader of the MDC, uh, Zimbabwe's Prime Minister Morgan Changarai, says he, he has uh, very little faith in the uh, ZEC. 
Just ask that again, Goshen. Uh, I'm asking in terms of confidence by the MDC, how much do they place in the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission to hold a credible fee and fair election? You know, one of the most contentious issues that's currently at play is around the voters' role, because by late yesterday, opposition parties had not had access to it, either a hard copy or a print of it. Uh, the ZEC is saying that it would uh, release it at various polling stations uh, today, but obviously many saying that it's a bit late for opposition parties and even civil society to scrutinize it. And one can imagine this could be an issue of contention uh, on election day, but also uh, past the election, because the voters' role, remember, is the one that uh, certifies who is supposed to be voting and whether uh, they are properly registered for this election. Does this voters' role appear to be rigged? Some are saying that, uh, you know, the election register over-registered perhaps in some districts, uh, 129% we're told in some areas, uh, population under 30, even more than uh, the number registered in the community. We have had so many reports of uh, a very flawed voters' role or a very prob- problematic voters' role. There are reports that say that on that voters' role, there are people that had long passed away. On that voters' role, there are people that are beyond 100 in terms of years or people registered to the same uh Address, and that is why the opposition and civil society have been insisting to have access to it. Remember also the registration process for this election was quite because you had a situation where not everybody who was in the queues to register for the elections was able to register. At some point, the doors were just closed on them and they couldn't register for this election. So to verify exactly how many people registered for this election, are those the right people that are supposed to be on the voters' roll? These are the questions that everybody is having and they feel they do not have the answers because they don't have access to that voters' roll. What does the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission have to say on this when, for example, the MDC calls for it to resign? The, the, the Zimbabwean Electoral Commission yesterday uh, held a press conference, which was not very satisfying to a lot of the media, because what, on the one hand, they said that it is not necessarily their responsibility, and it is the chief registrar who is responsible for it, but he could not give answers in terms of why it has taken so long for people to have access to this voters' role. And even in 2008, this was an issue, even though eventually it was released, but there were uh, problems with that voters' role even then. And that's why I'm saying that, you know, whatever happens tomorrow, we could have a situation where uh, the issue of the voters' role becomes an issue and some are even taking it to the courts. Now, you've spoken to some Zimbabweans, and, and, and are you getting an indication that there are those Zimbabweans living abroad who plan to return to cast their votes in this election tomorrow? There were some uh, leaving South Africa. There were uh, Zimbabweans living in South Africa who were very clear that they will make the trip uh, to Zimbabwe to actually uh, vote. But of course, should have been on the voters' roll and they should have been registered. So those that have been registered for quite some time were very clear that they will come through to actually cast their ballot and be part of deciding uh, Zimbabwe's future. And um, relatives, you know, uh, when, when you speak to anybody in Zimbabwe, the first thing they will tell you is that I have a relative who lives in Zimbabwe. Oh, my relative is coming to actually cast that vote. And you're getting a sense that there are some leaving, but of course, it is a costly some of them to make it to Zimbabwe. Mm. Uh, what about that high-ranking ZANU-PF insider known as Baba Jukwa? Is he making any more announcements on Facebook? Uh, I am not aware of that, Darshan. All right, we'll leave it there with uh, Mishlatsu Gallens, our reporter, senior political reporter in Zimbabwe. Of course, Baba Jukwa is someone that uh, many are following on Facebook. He's uh, supposedly a high-ranking insider within ZANU-PF uh, talking about some of the uh, wheelings and dealings going on within the party. Well, let's get some analysis on this. Uh, perhaps Kuseni Dlamini knows about him. He's at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Mr. Dlamini, a very good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Uh, have you heard of Baba Jukwa? Good afternoon, good afternoon Dustin. Thank you very much for, have, for having me. I still need to find out more about uh, that, that person. Oh, let's just look at the elections. Do you think it's possible for a free and fair election when so much points to a, a flawed and deplorable election, especially when we look at the voters' role? 
Yeah, the issue around the voter reduction has been a cause for concern. It's been lingering uh, since uh, towards the end of last week and over the weekend. There are different views on it. The Zimbabwean Electoral Commission keeps saying that the voter roll is available and accessible, and we hear the opposition saying that it's not available. It is not helpful at all. It doesn't augur well uh, in terms of ensuring free and fair elections. But having said that, if we look at yesterday's rally held by the MDC, it is very significant that that it, it was held next to the headquarters of Zanu PF. And as far as reports are concerned, or if we are to go by the reports that we've had, we haven't had any accusations of violence that came out of that uh, rally. And I think that's a good improvement from the last election, where at this time and on the eve of election day, there were really concerns around whether the elections were going to be free and fair. My view is that they, although there are issues lingering, but we do have fundamentals that seem to augur well for an election that will be more credible and possibly more legitimate than the last election. As to whether it will be fair and fair, I'll leave that to the observers to mm. judge tomorrow. Well, as you say, there are those who have confidence in this election, almost juxtaposing those who don't. Uh, the AU, for example, its Commissioner for Political Affairs on Zimbabwe, Aisha Abdullah, says uh, recently uh, declared that the, the body's election observers are confident of a free and fair election. What do you make of that? Indeed, the AU uh, uh, observer mission is headed by former Nigerian president General Olusegun Obasanjo has also been saying some uh, largely positive statements. We also saw the AU chairperson visiting Zimbabwe towards the end of last week and over the weekend, also coming out with very positive and bullish statements, and uh, we're hearing the same thing as well from, from Sadat. So I, I think by and large, if we look at uh, the build-up to this election compared to the last election, there is an improvement. That doesn't mean that things are perfect. It doesn't mean that things are 100% okay. As we all know that these elections have been arranged within a very short space of time and uh, there are questions on whether all parties have had adequate time to prepare for them. Mm, but considering these flagrant violations, especially when uh, we were hoping for key reforms to be made before this election, police, the army, central intelligence agency reforms, uh, are we perhaps compromising the objectivity of those on the ground here? Uh, it, it remains to be seen. I think we, we've made, SADC has made good progress in terms of its mediation process facilitated by President Jacob Zuma. And uh, let's see how tomorrow goes. I think tomorrow will be crucial and we can be able to make some more informed extrapolations on whether things are improving in Zimbabwe or not, on whether Zimbabwe is stabilizing or not, or whether Zimbabwe is moving forward with the rest of SADC or not. Are you concerned about uh, election violence, perhaps not pre-election, but post-election, depending on the result? Depending on the results, there are fears, and I think the Zimbabwean people remember vividly the ugly scenes of the last election. We remember, we remember in the last election, the second round resulted, uh, so Morgan Sangarai withdrawing from it because of the violence uh, that was taking place. And I would hope that uh, SADC and the AU and uh, all the role players in Zimbabwe will act in a very responsible way and avoid the repeat of those sins, which will be very unhelpful uh, to the freeness and fairness of the election. We'll leave it there with Kuseni Dlamini. Thanks for joining us on the line. He's from the South African Institute of International Affairs. Just a reminder, of course, Zimbabweans heading to the polls tomorrow, uh, and especially a bittersweet reminder for uh, the victims of violence of that 2008 elections. A number of civil society groups saying the majority of them are yet to be completely healed from the trauma that they suffered, uh, although the same level of violence has been absent from this year's election campaign. Some of the victims are still worried that violence can break out after the votes have been cast and results released. If you'd like to talk to us about this, you can send us SMSs. 34701 costs you two rand to do so, or tweet us at well, as well, SAFM Midday Live. Approaching 12.30, time for your news headlines. Good afternoon, Atsile. 12.31, 29 minutes left on the show. Of course, if you'd like to send us SMSs, 34701, 34701. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the stories that we're bringing you today. Some of them that have come in, this is uh, from Mary, I think it is. Uh, we'll continue to sell our bodies, as our previous leader advised us, to make babies to achieve economic freedom, writes uh, Mary there. Uh, a number of uh, other SMSs coming through, and we will read those, 34701. Of course, Mary talking to us about a story that's still to come, uh, the mining community of Potsmansburg in the Northern Cape raising concern over an increasing number of young girls 
who leave school for prostitution. The prostitution industry seems to be luring girls as young as 13 away from their education. A great concern for the locals and religious leaders. Uh, the community is calling on government, NGOs and police to intervene. So we will speak shortly to Conrad Fortune, who's from Kimberley Social Development, to tell us a little bit more about this. Uh, but of course, this has also been launched today. And an uh, interesting story when we talk about uh, the situation developing in Pottsmansburg. So we'll talk to the South African Human Rights Commission as well as the Studies in Poverty and Inequality Institute. In partnership, they uh, launched um, to members of media a monitoring tool aimed at providing a concrete instrument to measure and evaluate the progressive realization of socioeconomic rights. So let's talk with the director of the Studies in Poverty and Inequality Institute, Isabel Fry, who's on the line. Isabel, a very good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Tell us, what's your take on what's happening in Pottsmansburg community first? Uh, good afternoon and good afternoon to your viewers. I think firstly, um, what we have to realize is that incidents such as been described are happening across the country and it's not just an isolated incident. Uh, it's really what we are facing um, is a, an implosion of social cohesion which is really based on the high levels of poverty, the low levels of employment um, and some of the hopelessness it builds up when households are having to make do with very little. What's your advice to communities like this grappling with this issue? Is it, as they've done now, calling on government, NGOs and the police to intervene? You've got to look at both long and short-term solutions. Um, I, I think schools, uh, faith-based organizations um, and institutions of society do need to come together and collectively solve uh, such kind of forms of, of abuse. But at the same time, um, we need to look at ways of, of intervening to, that people don't have to resort to these kind of destructive livelihoods. Mm-hmm. So questions such as access to child support grants, um, questions such as engaging the government in terms of economic development um, and the kinds of projects that can be adopted, uh, in terms of which the youth can actually also play a role. Because the point is, for many young people, there are very little, there are very few activities that can be undertaken. So it is about saying, what do we do immediately to ensure that, that these activities don't have to be undertaken, but how can we collectively start redesigning the kinds of communities that we live in and, and rebuilding the values um, that, that used to exist in terms of how we treasure our children and how we treasure ourselves and our bodies. And let's talk about the monitoring tool that you launched in partnership with the South African Human Rights Commission today. What's your goal with this monitoring tool? Uh, the monitoring tool is um, for us it uh, leads to the ability of civil society and oversight bodies to hold government to account in terms of the constitutional rights. Because in our constitution, which is one of the best in the world, um, people have access, have the right of access to social security, to healthcare, to food, to water, all the things that we've been, been discussing. Mm. Um, but government isn't, government is basically obliged over time to ensure that everybody has access. It, it's a term called progressive realization and it's an international standard. Um, but our concern is that now, 18 years into democracy, you still have vast numbers of people who don't benefit. So take social security, for instance, the kind of social assistance grants. There are no grants available for people between the ages of of 18 and 59. So if you're unemployed and working age, there's no assistance available for you. So what we've done is getting um, indicators which go from the baseline year of 2010 and saying, as we move into the future, can we look back and say that we have seen progressive realization or has the state actually slipped back? But in addition to it being an oversight tool for um, for civil society, for parliament, for the Human Rights Commission, we also hope that the policymakers will use it and say, if I have to make a choice with a limited budget, I need to be aware that these are the trends, these are the areas that I need to follow. And sometimes it can be really tricky. Three years ago, the child support grant was extended from the ages of 11 to, uh, age of 15 to, to 18. And yet, at the same time, in that same budget speech, the Minister of Finance announced that children who had been receiving the child support grant wouldn't have an increase in, in line with inflation. So the purchasing power for the kids who'd be getting the grant in the previous 12 months was actually eroded due to inflation. 
And the question you have to ask is, was that a positive step or was that a regressive step? Um, and we're going to see that as we have competing choices in terms of, of rolling uh, matters out. So for us, it really is about being able to show quite conclusively where the state has improved. Um, and in so doing, we also hope that it will act as an encouragement for them to, to sort of try and be able to, to even improve as the years progress. Um, the other matter which is linked to this is that the South African government has recently announced that it's going to ratify the international covenant on economic, social, and cultural rights, uh, which it signed in '94. Now, that's a, a, a covenant that requires reporting at the UN every five years by, by the country concerned. Uh, and we're hoping that this tool would be seen as a very easy and simple way for them to undertake that reporting. Mm. Do you think we're going to re- that's going to result in more active citizenry where South Africans know about their human rights and, and hold government accountable to what they require? Uh, we certainly do think so, and from the work that we've been doing with organizations in civil society um, and also with communities, um, the, what we've seen is, is with the use of such a tool, people can concretely see it. Um, and so we, we've also been working in a, a number of communities um, with people who themselves receive benefits um, and said to them, look, this is what the numbers say. The numbers show that actually there has been an improvement. But as you have to queue for your grant every month, what is your experience from the officials that are handing the grant out? Um, and for us, the tool, which is going to ultimately be demonstrated on, on a website, which has dashboards, which can show with arrows where things are going. Um, we think this is actually the most constructive way of really letting people see how rights should look. We'll leave it there with the Director of the Studies in Poverty and Inequality Institute, Isabel Fry. Thanks for joining us on the line. Now, we were scheduled to speak with the Department of Social Development in Kimberley, uh, but at the time of the interview, they were unavailable. We were hoping to talk a little bit more about the mining community of Potsmansburg in the Northern Cape, raising concern over an increasing number of young girls who are leaving school for prostitution. Prostitution, of course, an essential issue linked to poverty. And as you heard, Isabel Fry there saying they're launching a monitoring tool today, which will be available online so South Africans can know their rights, hold government accountable to eradicating poverty and, of course, the scourge of prostitution in our communities as well. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 34701, send us your SMSs or tweet us as well. SAFM Midday Live. Now, let's look at police in the northwest province who are investigating the alleged murder of another Lonman miner. The 49-year-old was on his way to work when he was allegedly shot and killed near Vondorkop in Marikana. His body was found with four gunshot wounds to the neck and body. The suspects allegedly fled the scene with a white sedan vehicle with Gauteng Province registration number plates. For more on this, now we're joined on the line by the spokesperson for the South African Police Service in the Northwest, Brigadier Tulani Ngubeni. A very good afternoon to you, Brigadier. Thanks for your time. What appears to have been the motive for the killing? Yes, good afternoon, Dash and listeners. Uh, the motive for the killing is not yet uh, known at this point. We are just investigating a murder doctor, which is what we are following, and there are certain leads that the police are working on. Uh, how far are those investigations? Investigation, Dash is a process, and that process is currently in, and the really be preemptive of me to then say this is how far it is, but I can assure you that the investigation is currently on and certainly we will come up with a successful arrest at the end of it all because that's what it's about. Just as you know, there's a vehicle that was mentioned, so there are many things that we are following. So it, it is really something that we can't bring in the public domain at this point. Mm, can you tell us if you're questioning anyone at this stage? Yeah, there are people that we are looking at as part of our investigation and there are things and certain leads that we are very confident that I can say in our investigation and in no time we will be reporting in terms of the relevant arrest and the relevant success. But what we want to say is to allay fears on the part of the people who want to uh, go from ear to ear telling people that there is instability in the platinum belt. We just want to say that 
this was a matter that we were investigating and let it be treated as such until police confirm otherwise because the situation in the platinum belt is that people are, life is going on as normal, people are going to work and let us not treat any singular incident as then a linkage to any of the uh, then terms of instability in the area or as a rise in violent crime and so forth. Crime has been there in that area and it will be there even, that's why we have a police station that exists in that area to deal with criminality that is happening there. So we should not really, really be pressing wrong buttons and to raise unnecessary fears and tensions that do not exist. So Brigadier, if I understand you correctly, this is not the first such killing of a minor in the area, but you believe it can't be linked to the tensions in the area? Not that it can't be linked. We are saying we will wait for the investigation to confirm that then for us to preempt and assume that because this is what has been happening. Let us just allow the crimes that are done as a pure element of criminality. And those have nothing to do with the instability in the area. And there are crimes that are linked. The very person has not been linked even to any of the union people. So he could have been killed as a result of whatever criminality that exists or he could directly be linked to whatever situation that has been happening there. But let us not preempt to then raise unnecessary fears, unnecessary emotions. Just like we had uh, last week, there was the wrong information sent out mm. to, the, to the public of this country by some of the unions saying somebody died when nobody died. The man was, was, was attacked by the people on his way to that uh, rally as he was wearing a T-shirt of, of NAM. But in fact... The man is alive. He's a living testimony that he's, he's, he's warm and he's warm-blooded wherever he's at. Nobody died. And when you continue to make this um, malicious statement, we dent the productivity of the mining sector and we then destabilize our own economy. And this is our own country. All we need to do, all the parties, police, the, the, the unions and the mine employers is to work together to ensure mm-hmm. that we send coordinated messages that are clear, not ambiguous, and be fair in our comments that we are making because we are then uh, gambling with, with, with the economy of our own country when we do that. Turning to then this alleged murder of another Lonman miner, what do we know about him at this stage, uh, Brigadier? What we know about him is that he's a 29-year-old man who was dressed in his uh, suit, uh, which is the mining uh, gear, and he was on his way to work, and, and that is how he appeared to be. But at this point, unfortunately, nobody has came to the fore to say he is a family representative of, of the man. And he is just about 49 years old. That's what we could determine. And uh, as I say, nobody from any of the, even the unions has came to the fore to claim that maybe he was a union member or he belonged anywhere. Therefore, this could be related in terms of the killing. So basically, it is uh, we, we will then confirm as soon as the family, as you would understand, that majority of the mine workers are from out of the northwest province. Therefore, it could be as a result that maybe his family is far away, and by the time then we reach the family, we'll be able to confirm his full details and his full particulars. Brigadier, thanks for your time. He's the spokesperson for the South African Police Service in the northwest, Brigadier Tulani Ngubeni. It's a quarter to one. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution. One service provider. Telcom Business. Well, it's time to look at the JSE. We speak to Mpo More. A very good afternoon to you, Mpo. Thanks for your time. Good afternoon, Dashin. Now, how are we trading ahead of this big Fed meeting? Dashin, the market is trading better, uh, led by retailers and industrials uh, with resources on the back foot after a strong showing yesterday. Markets are also a touch firmer in Europe where the foot is up 0.2 of a percent. DAX up 0.17% and the CAC 40 is 0.2% better. Back to the JC, we've got the gold index down 1.96%, resource index down 0.4%, industrial index up 1.4%, financial index down 0.33%. The overall market is up 205 points or half a percent to 41,025 points. And Paul, we had the results of the ABSA group out today and a trading update from Kagiso Media and the Monty Group. 
Uh, firstly, after release, the interim result, uh, diluted headline earnings per share were up uh, 8% to 649 cents. Net interest income was up uh, 5% to 12.5 billion rands. And non-interest uh, income uh, increased by 1% to 11.3 billion rands. An interim dividend of 350 cents per share was declared, along with a special dividend of uh, 708 cents per share. Upside currently trading 5.15% lower at 143.81. Rakiso Media announced that the headline earnings per share for the year ended uh, 30 June 2013 expected to be between 20% and 25% higher than the comparative period. Kahiso Media is currently trading flat at 23.70. Lastly, Mondi Group announced that the basic headline earnings per share for the six months ended 30th June 2013 are expected to be between 43 euro cents and 48 euro cents. That's against the 30.9 euro cents previously. Mondi PLC is currently trading 5% higher at 145.40. And Mondi Limited is trading 4.9% higher at 145.52. And Paul, any big movers today? Uh, on the upside, we've got Afrox up, up uh, 5.85% to 19 rands and 90 cents. Truist up uh, 2.5% to 84 rands. Aspen up 2.1% to 217 rands and 80 cents. Barlow World also up 2.1% to 84 rands and 55 cents. ShopRite up 2% to 167 rands and 15 cents. On the downside, good able down 2.6% to 14 rands and 75 cents. Impala Platinum also down 2.6% to 97 rands and 37 cents. Harmony Gold down 2.4% to 37 rands and 5 cents. Lonmin down 2.1% to 46 rands and 98 cents. And lastly, Exaro down 2% to 151 rands and 2 cents. And uh, finally, the latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted at $1,322.80 an ounce, platinum $1,436.55 a fine ounce, brand crude $104.54 per barrel. The government R157 is trading at yield of 6.23%, and now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 9 rands and 87 cents, the rent to the euro is at 13 rands and 9 cents, the rent to the pound is at 15 rands and 11 cents. Back to Dashin. And Paul Moray, thanks for joining us. And Paul's from Sassfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please call and cancel my exercise therapy session with the calisthenics posture gate and lower lumbar vertebra specialist. The chiropractor, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a telcom direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence, one solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. You asked for it, and now it's here. SAFM proudly presents the best of the African connection with Richard Mwamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connection Fusion Wamba. Now available at reputable CD outlets. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's 10 to 1. We've been asking you to SMS us on any of the stories that we've been covering you today. That number again, 34701. It costs you two rand to do so. Uh, some of the SMSs that have come through, Fano Ngobo in Cape Town writing, the leaders of community poo protesters and feces throws on the Cape Town and 2 should take full responsibility. In fact, the provincial bylaws should descend heavily on any feces thrower. That's uh, from Fano Ngobo writing in Cape Town. Uh, of course, you remember Mary's uh, SMS. She says that we will continue to sell our bodies as our previous leader advised us to make babies to achieve economic freedom. Well, Mary, there's been a response to your SMS, Timber writing, and he says, ask Mary how will making babies achieve economic freedom? Perhaps, Mary, you'd like to respond on that. Uh, more SMS is coming through. This one from Dima. Dima writes in, uh, to avoid possible genocide in Zimbabwe emanating from land expropriation, benefiting only ZANU-PF, Officials, uh, officials, no other party can be allowed to rule. That's Rubson Dima. 
Uh, this one comes in from Dan. Dan writes in on the Tlokwe municipality issue, which we discussed at the top of the hour. Uh, the ANC respects the court ruling, ANC style. I hope the sheriff does not put up with any gibberish and enforces the law. Uh, this one comes in unsigned. May God be with Zimbabwe tomorrow. And uh, this SMS coming in for my colleague, Bongi Gwala, but I guess he directs it at me. He writes, Zimbabwe, blah, blah, blah. What about RSA? Is it perfect? Let's sort our country out first. Neighbors will follow us. So what do you think? 0891 Of course, uh, that's the number you can dial. You can give us a call on PM Live this afternoon. And if you'd like to send us SMSs, 34701 costs you two rand to do so. Well, let's look at the Fentersburg U. They've been urged to protect and respect the elderly. Correctional Services National Commissioner Tom Moyane was addressing the Northern Free State community at an event which is part of Mandela Month activities. Moyane joined offenders to refurbish the Shlompanang Old Age Home and also donated vegetables to the elderly. Lerato Rametlakane reports. They are supposed to spend their golden years in peace and harmony. But in this area, the aged are soft targets for criminals, especially rapists. This is according to the Commissioner of Correctional Service, Tom Moyani. For those few hours they spent with the Commissioner and offenders, they could forget about their worries. Moyani stressed the importance of keeping the elderly healthy. He says this will not be a one-day event, as Correctional Services will donate food to the home on a monthly basis. Our message is very clear that uh, Correctional Service is part of the society, and that we need to plow back. And during this month of the Mandela month, we are rededicating ourselves as correctional services in assisting our grandmothers and our grandfathers, especially in this area where we are, to refurbish this house, which the old age home, which is falling apart. The elderly were besides themselves with joy as they broke into song and sang praises for both Mandela and the correctional services. Mamoza Maimu Edi is one of the elderly people who will benefit from this intervention. She says that they are very happy for this visit and that the place was in a very bad state when they first moved in. But they are very thankful to the correctional services for their intervention. For the offenders, this was also an opportunity to make things right. Philip Ntaba says this gave him an opportunity to show a side of himself the community did not know. The work that I'm doing here today, it makes me feel good about myself and to show that I also care about my old people, our grandfathers and now also our grandmothers here. And it shows that I'm a youth that wants to change and be a better person tomorrow, not for only for myself but also for the old people. They ended their day with a true tribute to the former statesman. Meanwhile, Moyani says they are still investigating the death of the alleged serial rapist who hung himself at the Johannesburg Central Prison. He says like any other investigation, there is no quick fix. Our officials are busy on this matter. As soon as a complete investigation has been made, the results thereof will be made known. Bear in mind that we are not doing it on our own. The, N- the NPA is involved, IPD is involved, <coughs> the judicially inspecting judge will also be involved. So to go deeper as to the circumstances that led to his death. Spisa Makubo was due to appear in court on charges of raping 34 children and two women. For SABC News in Fentersbeck, I am Lerato Ramatakan. Well, it's just five minutes or so left in the program. Let's uh, look at this story. Now, several farmers are concerned at the increase in poaching on their farms close to Platfontein near Kimberley in the Northern Cape. Farmers suspect that the cause might be the high levels of unemployment and poverty in the area, which have driven community members to resort to poaching. Now, the farmers say they're fighting the battle alone as low conviction rates by the police has created a free-for-all mentality. This situation was highlighted by the recent killing of Abram the camel on a farm close to Platfontein. Ishmael Modiba visited the farm. These are welcoming sounds of birds as you enter the yard of Eight Mile Farm just outside Kimberley. Last week, Abraham the camel was found speared at this farm not far from Platfontein. The Department of Nature Conservation Special Investigation Unit has found that the spear used to kill Abraham was consistent with the handcrafted weapons made and used by the Seine and that members of the Platfontein community are believed to be responsible for the killing. 
the camel was loved by all children and as well as adults. Now farmers are up in arms. They say this is not an isolated case because they have noticed that poaching in the area has increased. The farm owner Ida Sonnenberg explains. We on a daily basis have three people that's walking through the felt to um, like the uh, they traps they, they uh, set out for the animals. So um, we don't, they don't catch daily the animals, but uh, like once a month, either we it's a springbok or it's, it's, it's terrible. They cut the fences. A nearby farmer, Michael Vine of Rest in Friede Farm, has corroborated this. Poaching in our area is a life. Most of the farmers in the area, and I'm sure all the farmers, have experiences of poaching on a regular basis. However, Chief Director at the Department of Nature Conservation, Albert Mabunda, says it's difficult to say if incidents of poaching are high in the area as they did not receive any complaints from the farming community. Mabunda explains. This is the first incident that we know now about. But if you describe poaching, poaching, people will poach to sustain themselves, not basically to shoot or kill and live with them. This case in particular surprised me because they didn't take the carcass. My, my take on this is that we, we, don't, we haven't experienced a high rate of poaching activities in the province as such, you know. Chief Mario Mahungu say they went to apologize to the farm owner on behalf of the community of Platfontein, who are suspected of killing the camel Abraham. Mahungu says they felt a need to share their sympathy at what had happened. That would mean all the people in Platfontein are thieves, and they steal, but that is not the truth. It is just certain people in Platfontein who do that, and that affects all the people of Platfontein. The South African police services say they are aware of the recent killings of the camel. Police spokesperson Lieutenant Olebukhentawana says they are investigating. We don't have a, a, a poaching problem in terms of the animals. That was an isolated incident and therefore we are still investigating the case at, at this stage. Farm owner Ida Sonnenberg says it's hard to lose an animal like Abraham who was so loved by young and old. As a sign of affection, they are busy erecting a remembrance wall where all the people who have interacted with Abraham will come and post on the wall. Ishmael Mudiba, SABC News, Kimberley. Stories making headlines this hour. Zimbabweans are gearing up to go to the polls tomorrow to elect the country's new president. Senior political reporter Mashlatse Gallens. But many people here are hopeful that the election will go on peacefully. The problem or the apprehension comes in when the voting of those ballots uh, starts and results start coming out. And that is where people are very nervous. Political analyst Kuseni Dlamini says there are major improvements compared to previous elections. Kuseni Dlamini from the South African Institute of International Affairs. At this time and on the eve of election day, there were really concerns around whether the elections were going to be free and fair. Although there are issues lingering, but we do have fundamentals that seem to augur well for an election that will be more credible and possibly more legitimate than the last election. Thanks so much for joining us on Midday Live, brought to you by our producers, Mabu Baluka, Sitakazela Dlamini, and Mandisa Mnelu, technical producer, Oliver King Monana, and executive producers, Busi Chani and Aubrey Setchia. I'm Dasha Midley. Have yourself a great afternoon. Catch us on PM Live, 46 p.m. on Silasaka with the news at 1 p.m. And Nancy Richards follows with Otherwise. Goodbye.